Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Against the cameras for the night. Appears a curious phenomenon. What is the black star? Is it the cat with the black shades, the black car? Is it shining from very far to where you are? It is commonplace and different, intimate and distant, fresher than an infant. Black, my family thick like that strap molasses. Star on the rise in the eyes of the masses. Black is the color of my true love's hair. Stars are bright shining, hot balls of air. Black like my baby girl stare. Black like the veil that the Muslimina wear. Black like the planet that they fear. Why they scared? Black like the slave ship that they brought us here. Black like the cheeks of the roadways for tears. They leave black faces well traveled with years. Black like assassin crosshairs. Blacker than my granddaddy armchair. He never really got no time to chill there. Cause his life was warfare. See on the front lines of black is all there. Black like the perception of who or welfare. Black like faces at the bottom of the well. I've been there before to bring the light and heat it up like Lacoste. Like yeah. Make what I imagine happen, but maybe I'm just a dreamer. I love rocking tracks like John Coltrane, love Naima. Like the student love the teacher. Like the prophet love Khadijah. Like I love my baby features. Like the creator love all creatures. Who are knowledge, truth, and peace seekers? We on point like heat seekers. Targeting the black market, ten strategists run up on them with their heaters. Everybody following with no leaders. Feeling like we killing ourselves because I know they can't defend. See does it don't stop till we complete this Keep this fly There's so much to life when you just stay black and Blacker die Blacker than the nighttime sky A best star in July Blacker than the seed in the blackberry pie Blacker than the middle of my eye Black like failure, man cry The man want act who am I I simply reply that you and I B-E-R-S-A-L Magnetic Work to respect the angelic Climb the mountain top and tell it to the valleys enveloped. You're full of big cats, but you're not no me. I'm dark like the side of the moon you don't see when the moon shines newly. You know who else is a black star? Who? Me. You know who else is a black star? Who? Me. You know who else is a black star? Who? Me. And we be shining and shining when we rhyming and rhyming. We be shining and shining when we rhyming and rhyming. Now everybody hop on the one. The sounds of the two. It's the third eye vision. Five sides of vision. The eighth light is gonna shine bright tonight. It's the third eye vision. Five sides of vision. You know the light. Come from the dark. The other way is ass backwards. Absurd. Make you wanna crow like a blackbird. That's right. You're living from your first day to your last night. Sometimes you show your ass light. Lit on your clothes when you froze in the black light. Dead that. Before you get your head wrapped. Like we see through your voodoo just like you buy you. You dealing with the black magic. Try to civilize you. Not walk on by you like civil. Lies to get you blacklisted. Being lucky for you like a black cat. A panther. Revolution is the answer. That's what we need. Greed like my people like a cancer. Sure and the black people unite. Let's all get down. Now everybody hop on the one. The sounds of the two. It's the third. I'm mission. Five sides of mission. The eighth light is going to shine bright tonight. Everybody hop on the one. The sounds of the two. Today's date is March 9, 2020. This broadcast is entitled Ma'at Biyal Justice. Now, for those paying attention, know this is the proper time to also celebrate the original ancient Hebrew New Year. This is why today is also the celebration of Purim for the Jews of the Sea of Esau, which is the Zionist version of Judaism. Being that this time has once again arrived, we know 14 days from now 
will begin to be true Hebrew Passover that people call Easter. Okay? This begins on March 23rd during the month of Aviv. Alright? Thank you for listening. Before I begin, I will open with a message to Ayah. I also want to dedicate this broadcast to Nitsi Hustle because we are coming up on March 31st and I give my condolences to his family. Nipsey is missed because he was an asset of righteousness, not a tool for Hollywood. And because of this, we still see the manipulation and harassment of the Marathon clothing store. And they try to destroy his legacy. The thugs known as the LAPD constantly arrest and obstruct business trying to force his family out of their property. This is just like what they did during the days of uh, Jim Crow. This is wrong. This is despicable. And I ask Ayat to protect his family, give them strength and power. Let us all command that the manipulators will fall in their own traps and that they do not prosper. Ayat. I ask that you hear this message, protect the family of Emiris Joseph Ashkadon, give them power to break the back of the beast. Mighty Ayah, thank you for the wisdom to relay this message. I ask that I reach the eyes that need to see and it reaches the ears that need to hear it. Thank you for allowing us to see 2020. Thank you for allowing us to see the 400 years prophecy coming to pass. I ask that you bind and bound a demonic, any demonic entity that desire to hinder this message. Open the eye, open the ears, and free the mind. In the spirit of Yeshua, I say all praise. Yah, all praise. Yah, all praise. Yah. Today, we will complete our three-part series, which is broadcast entitled "Ma, the Yah of Justice." For those that need a refresher, please refer or reference our previous broadcast. Part one is "Prophets of War in the Trump Casino." In part two, Pawns and Rebels, 400 Years and Counting. This final part, like I said, is entitled Maya, the Eye of Justice. I ask that you take the time to listen to the previous messages. You can download the audio files and transcripts at HebrewsWakeUp.com. As I mentioned back in March 20th, 2019, we are witnessing the seed of retribution. The African Holocaust is coming to a close as the European system of Babylon nears its finale. The cracks in the system are before us. We witness the 
failed removal of Bashir al-Assad, the president of Syria, the failed attempt to stop Brexit in 2019, the continuous riots in France, the continuous riots in Hong Kong, the anti-EU League gained strength in Italy and other European nations, the failed attempt to remove Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela, the failed attempts to remove Donald Trump in the United States, the arrest of Jeffrey Epstein, and conviction of Harvey Weinstein. We see the destruction of the deceptive Democratic Party in the United States of America as they pretend to be allies but move like a demonic serpent. Hallelujah! The fall of Babylon. Hallelujah! We see the media giants lose control of the narrative and watch panic as the stock slide. As we see Hermes Tresmegistus strike again with the coronavirus 19. Right in time for double eleven. Dusting off the script from the deep state handbook. Section problem, reaction, solution. Demanding how South America and Africa were spared until the European nationals started bringing the virus into the countries. Think we've seen this one before, huh? Do you recall during 2009, the uh, flu pandemic, Africa was least the, 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 the least affected country. And like 2020 coronavirus, same thing happened. It first hit Egypt, and then it hit South Africa. We are seeing a pattern. Okay? In 2009, this, this was called the H1N1 swine flu pandemic. We also had the 2009 market crisis. I'm sure you remember. At the moment, most European and Asian countries are going into quarantine. We can see how the media conglomerates are exploiting this tragedy for the benefits of the hidden hands. We now hear threats of cancellation of the 2020 Olympics in Japan and see the destruction of China's economy and the volatility in the world stock market. Just like 2009. If not for the creation of Bitcoin, they would have full control. We see the biotech companies preparing the world for quarantine and possible mandatory vaccinations. However, what we really are witnessing is the demonic global parasitic non-elite class falling. Do you think it's a coincidence that the leading anti-EU party is Italy? The leading anti-EU party is Italy. And how is the most effective European nation Italy? Think that's a coincidence? It's now the most 
affected country in Europe. Now we hear that most of the cases came from Italy. They're from Italian nationals. Happened in uh, Nigeria. Like I mentioned, this looks like the classic Hegelian dialectic. Setting up the unknowing for a predetermined choice. Now, on the flip side, if you really are woke, you already knew this time was coming. Okay? You knew this time was coming. Okay, I will start this message with the fall of Babylon, Revelations 18. <clears throat> and it reads, and after these things I saw another spirit come down into the spiritual realm, having great power, and the earth was lightened with the glory. And he cried mighty with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the holder of evil, foul spirits, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornications, and the kings of the earth have committed fornications with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through her abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from the spirit realm saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven. And Ayah have remembered her iniquities. And this word iniquities means immoral or gross, unfair behavior. Okay. Reward her even as she reward, rewarded you and double unto her according to her works in the cup which she hath filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously so much torment and sorrow give her, for she hath saith in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, and mourneth and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is Mahat, the Yah of justice, who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lamentate for her. What this says, bewail her and, I'm sorry, lament for her. This is expressed great regret. When they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for her, for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon that great mighty sea in one hour is thy judgment come. In one hour. Okay? Now, as we read in Revelation 18, Revelation 18, 11 equals the solution. And the merchants of the earth shall, sweep, uh, shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. Okay? This is Bye Bye Battle. You are witnessing the desperation of the beast as this destructive demonic system falls apart. 
All we have to do is stop participating in these economic models. Our planet cannot support these parasites anymore. The days when only 300 people control more than half the wealth on the planet is quickly coming to a dramatic end. Phase one of this end is for the dry bones to wake up and rise. Phase two is for you to know who you are. The purpose, uh, the purpose of this message is to reinform you who you are and who we are as a people. Every one of us are powerful human beings filled with the spirit of the Creator. This power is yours to build a reality of justice, peace, love, and righteousness. The 300 parasites that control our planet are recipients of stolen property. They utilize your power to stay in power. And every day they steal this from you. Every day steal it from you. You were born at this moment in time to make a difference. You are here to be what your ancestors dreamed you to be. Brothers and sisters, it is time to rise. Now, these are not words to get you motivated. Right? not just words just for your motivation. This is 100% true. And I will prove to you and show you throughout our history how this parasitic force steals our power. Okay. Now, like I said, this is the final part of a three-part series. And I will begin my the Yah of Justice with the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. And it reads, Thus saith Yahuwah, Unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and ye will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and ye shall know that I am Ayah. Okay, now, before I continue, I want to answer a burning question. How do we know this prophecy is not referring to the Indo-European or the Caucasian people that are occupying Israel right now? Answer, because the Covenant was made with another type of people, not the Indo-European. The European is the one bruising the heel. Remember, this means the usurping, the usurping of land and taking resources, appropriation of culture, is one of the characteristics of the, the dominant side, the uh, dominant society. Okay, keep in mind. It was the seed of Yaakov, not the 
convert to the 1948 treaty that made a covenant with Ayah. Now, if uh, you have a copy of the um, King James 1611 Apocrypha version, you'll find the books of Maccabees. This will give you a deep or, or give you deeper insight to the patterns that was used by the Greeks and the Romans. Okay, they use this, they use the same pattern that they use today. Alright? Now when you read the book of Maccabees, <coughs> you'll see how the last generation of the Hebrews of the seed of Jacob had to force the seed of Esau into Judaism via conversion. This conversion resulted in the takeover and distribution of the Hebrews, the original Hebrews of the covenant, and how they became called, or they became the dry bones. Okay? The cause and effect. This means the Edomites, the seed of Esau, are now falsely representing the will of Ayah. Now let this sink in for a moment. Okay? Because of this conversion, because of them pretending to be us, the seed of Esau are now falsely representing the will of Ayah. It is the dry bones that made a covenant, a binding agreement with Ayah. Not those who call themselves Jews. This is history. This is truth. Now, listen to this with new ears. I'm going to read something for you. We'll read Revelation 28. Okay? If you've never heard this before, then I want you to hear it. Listen to this. If you've heard this before, uh, listen to it with new ears. Okay? I'm pretty sure everybody heard this. So. Anyway, Revelation 2.8. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Okay? And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. This is saying, uh, this, this message is for those who are from Yaakov. This is a message to the seed of Yaakov speaking, or, uh, or, or, or this is speaking of the Valley of the Dry Bones. This is Ezekiel 37, if you're familiar with that. Okay? And Revelation 2.9 says, I know thy works and tribulations and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemies of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Okay? Now, who's pretending to be you? Who exploited uh, they, and, and are, are, are still profiting from slavery? Who exploited and who are still profiting from slavery? Who stole your culture, your land, our heritage, our wealth, our resources? Okay? Now, I hope people have eyes to see. Revelations 2.9 is very important to grasp and understand. Revelations 2.10 Fear none of these 
Uh, fear none of these things uh, which thou hast suffered. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulations ten days. Now, this ten days is not defined amount of time. Uh, I did a study on on time, uh, so we'll save that discussion for another broadcast. But continue it says. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now, I have a question. Do you know one of the first acts of Congress in 2019, the year that just passed, was called H.R. 72? H.R. 72, rejecting anti-Israel and anti-Semitic hatred in the United States and around the world. H.R. 72 is a law that would deny you the right to say or buy what you want. A law that would deny freedom of speech in America. After this attempt failed, they decided to stop the United States military assistance in Yemen war bill. Now, first of all, why is America and Africa assisting Saudi Arabia in the destruction of Yemen anyway? It is sad that we need a bill to force the United States to stop funding another genocide. Okay. Then after this, a lobbyist decided to attach a law to the bill that would take away your right to criticize the actions of Zionism around the world. Like I asked before, do you have eyes to see? The synagogue is saying is working overtime to stop its inevitable destruction. Because I mentioned H.R. 72 because they know that the prophecy states that the merchants will not buy their goods anymore. And the start of that is the boycott. That's the start. It starts with a boycott. Okay? Now, let's get back on topic. What does this have to do with the fall of the system of Babylon and the converts pretending to represent the covenant and the descendants of systematic slavery? Okay? Because the actions taken 400 years ago are being judged by the people today. The promise that was made was not made to the deep state Zionists. No matter how much they tried to intimidate the world into believing it. After the American descendants of systematic slavery rise, we will see the Haitian descendants of systematic slavery, the Brazilian, the Brazilian descendants of systematic slavery, the Jamaican descendants of systematic slavery, Great Britain descendants of systematic slavery, and on and on. Each country that has stolen the people of Africa since 1452 till today will pay for the crimes they have committed. These are not my words. These are written in the books. 
Okay? Now, here's a prophecy that speaks on the 1619 till 2019 time frame. And it reads from Genesis 15:12. It says, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. Genesis 15:13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety, okay, that thy seed <coughs> shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs. Hold on, some water. Excuse me. <clears throat> Read that over. Genesis 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that the seed shall be, that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them. Four hundred years. And also that nation whom thou shalt serve will I judge. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. This word great stuff substance means recush. <laughs> recush. Like the kingdom of Cush will be recushed. Okay. And this is uh, Hebrews uh, 7.399. What does Rekush mean? It means property has gathered good, riches, substances. Okay? Substances. Now, we have three scriptures that tell us where we are in this moment in history. We have Genesis 15, speaking about the 400 years. Uh, we have Ezekiel 37, speaks about the reawakening and we have uh, the third is Revelation speaking about the usurpers and how they will fall. Okay? And all of these scriptures complement each other. Alright? Now, <clears throat> for those that listen to me know I love to um, find the uh, different uh, cult meetings and um, doing this, we, uh, I use math. So um, now to add more intrigue to this topic, uh, we're going to do a little bit of math. Okay? <clears throat> because we have a lot of these prophecies and scriptures. And um, anyway, first we have to know like where are we in time? How, how do we pinpoint uh, if this if this is the 400 year prophecy? If these people really are the people, let's get another witness besides the prophecies and scriptures that can give us more insight to what I'm talking about. Okay. Now, first we have to know how long is a generation. Okay. How long is a generation? Now, if the generation is 72 years, which is what I found, go back and uh, look at my previous podcast, right? I found that a generation is 72 years. 
So, if a generation is 72 years, then that would consume six generations. Right? If it's 72 years. If a generation is 40 years, then that would consume 10 generations. Well, how long do we know the measurement of one generation? Like, how do we know that a measurement of one generation is equal to 72 years? For those that are confused, hold on, coming, coming around. Be patient. How do we know? Because of the great cycle, which is 25,920 years. This 25,920-year cycle is a cycle of 360 generations. Okay? Now, to be clear, the demonic elites are obsessed with, obsessed with numbers, and because of this obsession, we uh, have to use their measurements to read time. <clears throat> Using this knowledge, we can trace them throughout time. This is how we know that 1944 through 2016 was the measurement of a generation. Right? Now look back at this time and observe the major events that happened. We're going to take an example. Right? Okay? We're going to take an example. Just passed 2016. You remember that? 2016 was crazy. Okay? That was the end of a generation. The generation started in 1944. Okay? Now, look back at the time and observe the major events that happened. In the year 1944, we have the creation of the International Monetary Fund. 1944, they had what was called D-Day. Remember? D-Day. In 1944, the creation of the CIA, right? Which means, um, then out of that came the Mossad and the MI6, and now it's called the Deep State. Then, in the next year, at the beginning of the 72-year cycle, what happened? The European allies, well, the United States and European allies dropped two nuclear bombs, right? And this is where we hear, and he doeth great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of man. Okay? And he doeth great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of man. Okay, now, <clears throat> keep in mind, every four years we have a leap year. We just went through one now. On February 29th, right? The numbers 2 and 9. 2 and 9, 29, equals to the number 11. 
The number 11 represents the gate or a passing of the baton. Right? Go pass the baton. This was represented on September 11th, the 11th day uh, back in 2001. 9-11. Right? 2001. This is when the civil liberties of the planet were taken away because of terrorism. 9 and 11. Okay, now, we observe 2016. Remember? Donald Trump, he upsets the deep state and defeats Hillary Clinton. Okay? He disrupted that pass because it wasn't supposed to pass. Okay? They wanted to pass the 72-year baton to the hidden hand via Hillary Clinton, but it all fell apart. And for the last few years, we have seen an unprecedented attack on the office of the President of the United States. Now, also notice how 1944 and 2016 both equal to the number nine. I keep speaking on this to make sure you recognize the pattern. I mentioned these patterns many times. 25,920 years divided by 12 make up the zodiac sign. Each zodiac sign lasts 2,160 years, and each zodiac divided by 3 will last 720 years. You can fit 10 generations into 720 years, and you can fit 360 generations into 25,920 years. Okay? And every one of these numbers equals to the number 9. This is a cycle. A complete cycle of time that is utilized, observed by the controllers. The only reason why I'm mentioning it because we have to know the tools they use to tell time. Because if you don't know what time it is, then you can't fight. Now, keep in mind, the ones that have taken over the religion of the spiritual people are using their own form of religion called Hermetism combined with the Jewish Kabbalah. Okay? Alright? The ones that have taken over the spirituality of the special people. They're not using um, uh, uh, the, the form of spiritual practices that we have. They're using their form. Okay? They're using hermetism combined with Jewish Kabbalah. That's, what this, that's what's going on here. This is why we are now noticing the placement of these numbers, the numbers 9 and 11, into our subconscious. You know, these numbers represent order of chaos. Okay? Now, this is a note. It says, uh, 
The 9-11 events and negative occult use of the number 9 and 11. It's always good to know the witness. So this is what I have from a site called uh, natalieacuna.com. Okay, and it says, uh, the number 9 is Western numerology, namely the Pythagoras method, can represent death, destruction, and ending. It is well known as signifying an end of a cycle. Nine can bring up drama, karma, and chaos. Okay? That's a witness. Okay, now to be clear, we have other markers to use when measuring time, when attempting to decipher meaning in scriptures. We also have the 40-year generation, the 70-year generation, in the hundred year generation found in the uh, this is also, also found in the Bible I have another site uh, where I found an example of these on a website called the Bible Code Pictogram okay and this is at bible-codes.org and it reads <clears throat> to summarize a generation in the Bible is primarily the age of a man when his first male child is born but secondly, the age of a man at his birth, at his death. The Bible then rounds that exact span of year in a generation to be 40 and 100 years as the primary usage, but on occasion 70 years. And 70 is the average of 40 and 100, which allows the three time frames to work in numeric harmony to produce the numeric Cemetery, uh, cemetery, sorry about that, found throughout the Bible. The usage of the 100 year generation predominates in the Bible uh, prior to the time of Moses, when man lived longer, but 40 years after Moses, a, uh, 40 years after Moses. A generation of 70 years is also inferred in the book of Enoch and Jubilee and is highly compatible with the Jubilee system of the Bible itself. Daniel 9. Okay. In the New uh, Testament, according to the KJV, you can trace the genealogy of Yahshua using the book of Matthew and you can find this in verse 1 through 17. Okay, I went through all of that with the numbers because um, there's many different ways that you can uh, come to uh, the different time frames in scriptures. And not one method is etched in stone, but this is my method that I'm using. And um, uh, hopefully, it's it's uh, it will give you insight because this is a very important broadcast. And um, anyway, I'm going to read the scripture. This is from this is supposed to be the genealogy of Yeshua. They say Jesus Christ, but it's actually Yeshua. Okay, and um, keep in mind, uh, I go back to 160 because there's a teacher of righteousness, but Anyway, for the sake of argument, we are going to read this, and it says, Matthew, this is Matthew 1-17, through 
So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. Okay? From Abraham to Dawid are 14 generations. From Dawid until the carrying away uh, into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away uh, into Babylon unto Yeshua are 14 generations. Okay? Now, based on the math, this adds up to 42 generations, right? 14 generations, three times, will equal 324, no, 3,024 years, okay? Now, if we are using the 72-year mark, uh, now the side note, the number 3,024, uh, okay, now, okay, as a side note, the number 3024 takes up takes up one zodiac sign with 864 years remaining. Because remember, uh, a zodiac is 2,160 years, right? 3024 takes up one zodiac sign and a remaining 864 years, right? Into the next zodiac. This will take us to the year 3024 BCE, right? If we go back to the year zero. Now, let me be clear. We're using the Bible to, to uh, bring us back in during the time uh, of, they call it the dynasty of Kish because if we go back that far we're going all the way back to what's called the dynasty of Kish and if we calculate the marker with 70 years okay if we, don't, if we do the 70 years instead of 72 years <laughs> we get 2940 BCE this also places us to the dynasty of Kish Okay, so basically, I went through all that and read the scriptures to talk about um, the 14-year generation, 14-year generation, 14-year generation. The generation which they say Abraham was going back to goes back to the time of Kish. Okay. Now, sorry if I confused y'all about all that, but I needed to show you that there's methods that you can use to go back to that time frame and therefore know where we are in history and start to study what's happening around that time. Okay? Alright. Now, let's say we calculated the 40 years. Because we do like the different ones. We do the 70, the 72. What if we calculate the 40 years? If we cal calculate the 40 years, that would take us back to 6080 BCE, which brings us into the time during the 30 years before the Hyksos. Okay. The Hyksos were in Egypt. Okay. Alright. Now, <clears throat> to be clear, Abraham already had a history in Egypt long before his 
grandson Yaakov and his son Joseph. Okay? Because they came to Egypt later on. But Abraham was there a long time ago. My purpose for reading this is to build a strong foundation for those who are looking for our identity throughout scriptures. Not all of us are descendants of systematic slavery. And let me be clear, not all of us are Hebrews. Just like in ancient Egypt, you had Hebrews living alongside of the Canaanites. One would be from the branch of Shem, or the other would be from the branch of Ham. Which proves they started out as brothers, and through time, thousands of years, grew farther and farther apart. However, through time, they started to intermarry, and they became <coughs> one branch, one people. And this is why now we say, <coughs> excuse me, again, African, Asiatic, is Semitic, or Hamitic. Okay? <clears throat> During the transatlantic slave trade, they mixed us up even further to the point that we lost our identity. And this is why revelation has to be spiritual. Okay? Revelations now have to be spiritual. Those of us that identify with the ancient Hebrews of the Sea of Yaakov have to reclaim the covenant. Okay? If you identify, you can claim the covenant because it's your DNA that's really there. You can't get rid of that. Once we are aware of this prophecy and identify as the descendants of systematic slavery, we will give spiritual power to this movement and it will be fulfilled. Now, as for those of you that do not identify with this book, like I said in the past, not all of us are Hebrews. In saying that, you who do not identify do not have the right to deny those of us that are. Okay? Now, I wanted to just lay that out there because we're going to get in, into um, some really wonderful topics and uh, we're going to get a deep study and I'm going to show how we all actually do unify and unite and we did start as one and through this broadcast I'm going to show that and prove it. Okay. I'm going to take a quick break, and um, I'll be right back. Now, I want to go to Sumerian history, because a lot of people don't understand. You have to grasp Sumer to understand everything that comes after. Now, Sumer are the Sumerian people. These would be the people that you can say... You can say these are the people that were one with the people of old, the men of old that survived over to the cycle. So the first civilization you would have had in our 3,000-year cycle, well, not our 3,000-year cycle, but in that 
3,000-year cycle, the first civilization you would have had was Sumer. And this was because the men of old influenced them. Now, you have to remember, ancient cities and things like this are not necessarily destroyed in the flood. So this is where the ideas come from. Let us build a city. Let us get brick and mortar and build a city. This is Nimrod speaking, uh, in Macaw. So you have to grasp. It all depends on what sex you tell him, but... The ancient cities were not necessarily washed away. And the pyramids got something to do with men surviving the, the, the end of the cycle. So everywhere you see a pyramid, it's like, it's like a marker of survive that times, the end of that time. It's a deep thing. But the pyramids is more than just that. But the pyramids have to do with that. You know, surviving the end of the cycle or, you know, the end of the day, end of days. Now, when you're dealing with Sumerian history, we got to grasp. Sumer would have been the first civilization of that time. So, this would have been Nimrod. If you're going by Sumerian history or you're going by the Bible history. Because I know a lot of y'all are not familiar with Sumer. But the Bible is so much similar, meaning it's the same. I'll reach for that so you can grasp. So, after the flood of Noah, this would have been the end of that cycle, the end of those days. The end of that 3,000-year period. As I said, we all live in our 3,000-year period. Now, at the end of the flood of Noah, which would have been the ice age that we know of scientifically that happened between 16,000 B.C. and 12,000 B.C., so, you know, floods bring ice, so on and so forth. But it all correlates, but you just have to grasp. So in the Bible, you have the flood. In our times, we know of the ice age of that time. We don't know nothing about a flood, but we know of an ice age. And in Sumer, they have many, many different counts of a flood. So it's a deep thing when you're dealing with Sumer. But when you're dealing with the end of Noah's time, when the flood happened there... <clears throat> And it says in the Bible, they came to the plain of Shinar. So this would have been all of Noah's descendants, including Nimrod or Enmakar. Now, Enmakar or Nimrod could have been one of the men of old. So it's a deep thing y'all have to grasp because according to Sumer, and they're telling, Enmakar would have been one of the men from the past cycle that survived over. One of the great kings from... Before the flood in Noah times, you had many different peoples or many different kingdoms. So just to give you a perspective, just to make up names, you had the Anunnaki kingdom, the, the this kingdom, the that kingdom. You had many different kingdoms. After the end of the cycle war, after the flood of Noah's time, then you had Noah, his descendants, and you had this guy Enmakar or Nimrod. And he's the one that began what was of old. So it's a deep thing you have to grasp. Now when you're dealing with, uh, it's a deep thing when you're dealing with Enmakar because you pronounce his name in the Sumerian spelling. Enmerkar. Enmerkar. America. It's a deep thing how they took over this place too. And all of that correlates because they... They was undigging all these things around the time America got that name. So, okay, welcome back. Now I will begin 
to begin, I want to read Matthew 1.17. So all generations from Abraham to Dawid are 14 generations, and from Dawid until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ, Yeshua, are 14 generations. Alright. In order to know that the 400 year prophecy applies to the 1619 generation, which is the 1619 to 2019 generation, in order to understand this, is speaking to this generation specifically and not the Hebrews in the ancient Kemet, okay, not the Hebrews in ancient Kemet, we have to use clues from the past. We also discover other vital pieces of the puzzle to match the beast of yesterday and understand that the beast of yesterday is the beast of today, okay? We discover this as we go back and follow Matthew 117. The book of Matthew tells us we can trace the genealogy of Yeshua back to Abraham. When we do this, we trace back to Nimrod, son of Cush, who is the grandson of Ham. This takes us to ancient civilization of Sumer of Cush, Sumer of Cush. The ruler at this time was the name of Mishkai Ag Gashir. According to the Sumerian king list, he was the first ruler of Uruk and the one that built the first kingdom in the book of records. Okay? Um, in the book of records, his name is Cush, who is the son of him. Alright, now here's what I got from Wiki. Um, it says, uh, William Kenneth Lothar visited the site of Uruk in 1849 and led the first excavations from 1850 to 1854. He had identified it as Uruk, known as the second city of Nimrod. And, it, and then we have something else that says, uh, in David Rawls' system of identification of Bronze Age, individuals which characters uh, in the Hebrew Bible eight individuals with characters in the Hebrew Bible and then he uses Mishtai Ang Gashir corresponds to Cush okay to be clear this name Mishtai Ang Gashir was the father of Enmerkar who reigned for 420 years this ruler is identified as Nimrod in the Book of Records. Now here's what is written about him on Wikipedia and other various sites on the internet. Okay? Um, <coughs> in Makar, the controversial historian David Raoul, Roll, Raoul, I think that's how his name is uh, pronounced, has played parallels between in Makar, builder of Uruk, and Nimrod, ruler of biblical Iraq, which is Uruk, who according to some extra-biblical legend, was supposedly the architect of the Tower of Babel. One parallel role 
has noted is between the epithet, the hunter, applied to Nimrod, and the suffix car at the end of the in Merker's name, uh, I'm sorry, in Makar's name, which means hunter. Rule has also argued that Urdu, near Ur, is the original site of the city of Babel, and that the incomplete Zabarath found there is no other than the biblical tower itself. Now, I'm going to read from the, uh, called Safar Hayashar, also called the Book of Jasser, which is also one of the apocryphal books forbidden by the Catholics and uh, most Protestant religions. Uh, what's interesting about this book is it fills in some of the gaps that we removed, that um, were removed, not we removed, that were removed from the Bible. And um, history claims that the book, this book, uh, a book Yasha was written between uh, the 9th and 16th centuries. And some people claim that it was written around 70 AD in Jerusalem. Uh, the book is also, uh, it's the Mormons, when they acquired a copy of it, uh, they, got, they acquired a copy around 1841 and developed a religion around it. Okay. Now, the purpose for its use here is to highlight the history concerning Abraham and the connections between ancient Kenneth. Okay. Because all knowledge is useful. And um, it's best to use it and um, allow it to help us to rediscover what they have hidden. All right, now, <clears throat> and it reads, this is chapter 7, verse 49 through 51. Okay, um, and Tara, the son of Nahor, prince of Nimrod's host, was in these days very great in the sight of the king and his subjects. And the king and princes loved him, and they elevated him very high. And Terah took a wife, and her name was Amphilo, the daughter of Kornibu. And the wife of Terah conceived and bare him a son in those days. Terah was seventy years old when he begot him. And Terah called the name of his son that was born to him, Abram. Because the king had raised him in those days and dignified him above all his princes and were with him. Alright, note. Uh, now, I want you to keep in mind, Terah, the father of Abraham, was a prince of Nimrod's host. Nimrod was the son of Cush. And I have a question now. Okay, think about this. What people on this planet, according to biblical history, do the kingdom of Cush look like? Because this is, this is ancient history in a book that was slowly written around 70 AD, the latest version, right? The earliest version, 70 AD, you know, rewritten in the 9th century, okay? They're talking about 
Nimrod's host. They're talking about Cush. What people on this planet, according to biblical history, do the kingdom of Cush look like? Chapter 8, verse 1. And it was in the night that Abram was born that all the servants of Terah and all the wise men of Nimrod and his conjurers came and ate and drank in the house of Terah. And they rejoiced with him on that night. Now, when you continue to read the other verses, you will find that Terah had to take Abram, his son, and his wife Sariah, or Sari, away from Nimrod's ruling class because the wise men looked into the stars and they saw a prophecy concerning Abram. Okay? They were going to kill him because a prophecy said that he was going to um, be a ruler and, and, and possibly overtake Nimrod. And they seen this in the stars, so the story goes that the reason why Abraham ended up in Egypt is because of this prophecy. Chapter 13. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, and the son of Haran, and Sariah, Sari, his daughter-in-law, the wife of his son Abram, and all the souls of his household, and went with them from ur Kasdem to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came as far as the land of Haran, of Haran, okay, Haran, now, this is northern Syria, this place that I'm talking about. Put your mindset into um, Asia Minor, right? Go back to that time and try to map out these places I'm talking. This will bring more, um, more of an understanding on what's happening at this time and where we are. At this time, this is northern Syria, okay? That's where Quran is, okay? And it said... They remained there, for it was exceedingly good land for pasture, and of sufficient extent for those who accompanied them. Alright, now to align the time frame with the scriptures, I will read from the, the uh, record of Genesis. Now, I like to cross-reference different books in order to, to see what others were talking about at the time as well. And this is from Genesis chapter 10, before I was reading from the book of Yaster, and now this is from the book of Genesis. And it reads, And Cush begot Nimrod, he began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before Yahuwah. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before Yahuwah, and the beginning of the kingdom was Babylon, and Uruk, and Akkad, and Kalmiah, in the land of Shinar. Now this is in, okay, in land of China. Um, I wrote a note here for myself. Geographically, this is called Mesopotamia. Okay? I'm pretty sure a lot of you heard of it. You know, this is um, common knowledge for those that study scriptures. It consists of, this area consists of Syria, Iraq, Iran, in Turkey. Places where there are always conflicts. Babylon. Even even Libya is um no that's not Mesopotamia. But that's part of this, this whole um, conflict. But just recently 
you know, the most recent one that we've known of was them trying to remove um, Assad from Syria. And now we're hearing them trying to go into Iraq, Iran, try to take over Iran. So we have Syria, Iraq, Iran, and Turkey. This is Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia. All right, now this is Sumerians from the ancient.eu website, and this is what it reads about the Sumerians. <coughs> okay, it says, um, the Sumerians were the people of southern Mesopotamia, whose civilization flourished between four, uh, 4100 and 1700 BCE. Their name comes from the region which is frequently and incorrectly referred to as a country. Sumer was never a cohesive political entity, however, but a region of city-states, each with its own king. Sumer was the southern counterpart to the northern region of Akkad, whose people gave Sumer its name, meaning land of the civilized king. The Sumerians themselves referred to their region simply as the land, or the land of the black-headed people. Now this is written by Joshua J. Mark. He is um, from uh, ancient.eu. And uh, this is another explanation of Uruk, which is spelled U-R-U-K, Uruk. Uruk was one of the most important cities at one time and the most important in ancient Mesopotamia. Okay. According to the Sumerian king list, it was founded by King Enmakar sometime around 4500 BCE, located in the southern regions of Sumer, modern-day Wark, as they call it, Warka, Iraq. It was called Warka, W-A-R-K-A, Warka, Iraq. Uruk was known in the Aramaic language as Uruk, which it is believed gave rise to the modern name for the country of Iraq. Right? Through another likely derivation is Al-Iraq, the Arabic name for the region of Babylonia. The city of Uruk is most famous for its great king Gilgamesh in the epic tale of his quest for immortality, but also for a number of firsts in the development of civilization which occurred here. Is also from Joshua J. Marks, ancient.eu. All right, now, in this same book, Safar Hayashar, we're going to read the book of Jasher. We find that, um, in the book of Jasher, we find that Terah was born in the 2125 BCE. Okay? This is the father of Abraham. He was born 2125 BCE. Now, if this is correct, if this is the correct time frame, then according to the Sumerian king list, the ruler at the time was Dudu of Akkad. 
This would be the ruler because his reign was from 2125 till 2104 BC. If this is the case, then the time frame um, is off by about no, it's off by about 2,375 years because we are told that King uh, Enmakara, aka Nimrod, reigned around 4,500 BCE, according to Joshua J. Mark of Ancient.eu. Okay? And that's the problem with trying to match biblical events um, with books that were written years later. Uh, because a lot of the, the stories are retold and a lot of the, the stories are actually parallel of stories that happened before and then they rewrite so when you're trying to trying to lock down the dates you have like these huge discrepancies like this is a 2,373 year difference between what Joshua J. Mark writes and what's written in the book of Yasser and also written on Wikipedia now, personally, I think the time frame is more aligned with which is what I found on Wiki, uh, which would be around the 26th century BCE, right? Um, I think what uh, Joshua was talking about, speaking about, was the time in which uh, Sumer existed. And mind you, they were speaking about that Sumer didn't have one king at the time, it had multiple kings, right? So, personally, I think the time frame is more in line with what is found on Wiki, which would be the 26th century BCE. Now, my, I have two reasons for this. The first reason is Gilgamesh and the age of Cush, okay? Gilgamesh and the age of Cush, according to history, this was during the 26th century BCE. Most, most researchers agree Gilgamesh reigned during this time frame. The second reason is the Sumerian king list. There's a list. And on this list we can trace the timeline of the rulers. And on this list we find a ruler name it's called Dundad the fisherman this king reigned for 100 years. Then we have Lugol Banda, whom is a deity who reigned for 1,200 years. Now, interesting that you say, well, how did he reign for 1,200 years? Nobody lives for 1,200 years. But when you look at the name, they call it L-U-G-A-L Banda, B-A-N-D-A, Lugol B-A-N-B-A Lugobanda This is an, a deity This is part of this list There's also a list of different um, Different deities Different gods that they had at this time And this is one of them And this particular deity Reigned for 1200 years Okay Then we have Enmerkar Who also on that deity list Who reigned for 420 years and then finally we find Mishtai Al-Kashur. Okay? Now, all rulers existed during the 26th century. Alright? All of these rulers 
existed during the 26th century. Alright. Now, there are obviously discrepancies in the timeline and researchers are still in disagreement on when exactly the events took place. But for the sake of argument, like I said, I'm going to use the 26th century Sumerian Kings list in conjunction with scriptures to present this message. Alright, because we're, we're, we're locking it down. And, you know, my understanding and, and based on uh, my, my studying for the past 10, 10 years or so is that you're always going to have uh, stumbling blocks put placed in front of us purposely in order so that we don't understand completely what's happening because we still have to keep in mind that the, uh, the ones that are in control of our history and knowledge needed to have control of our history and knowledge to make sure that we were blind to who we are as a people so that it would be difficult for us to to free ourselves from the system of Babylon. And since we are upon 2020, there is no excuse. We have many tools to, to free ourselves from the system. Okay, the religion of Ur and the Hyksos, the Hyksos migration. The land of Canaan is located where Israel is today. The whole area from Palestine in the Gaza Strip up to the Damascus, up to Damascus in Syria, all this territory, all this territory, Syria, all the territory, the territory was called the land of Canaan. Okay, this area is east of Kenya. This is also where the Hyksos migrated from. Yeah. Now, I'm bringing this into your understanding for a reason, and it's going to become clear after I read this uh, chapter 15, verse 1 through 8 from the book of Yahweh. And it reads, And in that year, there was a heavy famine throughout the land of Canaan. Right? The land of the Canaanites. Where is this at? Okay? Canaan. The land of Canaan is located where Israel is today. The whole area from Palestine and the Gaza Strip up to Damascus and Syria. All this territory was called the land of the Canaanites. Alright? And in that year there was a heavy famine throughout the land of Canaan. And the inhabitants of the land could not remain on account of the famine, for it was very grievous. And Abram and all belonging to him arose and went down to Egypt on account of the famine. And when they were at the brook Mithraim, they remained there some time to rest from the fatigue of the road. And Abram and Sari, Sari were walking at the border of the brook Mithraim, and Abram beheld his wife Sari, that she was very beautiful. And Abram said to his wife Sari, Since Yah has created thee with such a beautiful countenance, I am afraid 
of the Egyptians, lest they would slay me and take thee away, for the fear of Yah is not in these places. Surely then thou shalt do this. Say thou art my sister to all that may ask thee, in order that I may be well with thee, and that we may live and not be put to death. And Abram commanded the same to all those that came with him to Egypt on account of the famine. Also, his nephew Lot he commanded, saying, If the Egyptians ask me concerning Sari, say she is the sister of Abram. And yet with all these orders, Adam, uh, Abram did not put confidence in them. But he took Sari and placed her in a chest and concealed it amongst their vessels. For Abram was greatly concerned about Sari on account of the wickedness of the Egyptians. That brother was paranoid. Alright. And Abram and all belonging to him, to him rose up from the brook and came to Egypt. And they had secretly, um, secretly entered the gates of the city when the guards stood up to them saying give tithing to the king for what you have and then you may come into the town and Abram and those that were with him did so okay that's uh, that is chapter 15 verse 1 through 8 <clears throat> okay now we read that Abram moves into Egypt and um, I want y'all to keep in mind that this uh, word is called the I mean these words called the name called the brook of Mithraim. Mithraim is named after Hamsun Mithraim. Okay. Now, for those of you paying attention and understand where I'm going with this, the original name of Egypt is Mithraim. The land was named after the son of Ham. The brothers of Mithraim were Cush. Okay? Cush, the founder of Kish and the father of Nimrod. Foot. P-H-E-T, Phut. This is the founder of the land of Libya. And of course we know Libya is where they murdered Gaddafi and they enslaved all the black people. This happened like from 2011 till today. This is Phut. Okay? Then we have Canaan. These are the sons of Ham. Mithraim, Cush, Phut, Canaan. Okay? Canaan is where the Edomites of the seed of Esau call themselves Jew, right now known as Israel. Right? Abraham, Abraham had to leave the land of Canaan and go into Mizraim. Right? This was the land of black people thousands of years before the Arabs and the Europeans invaded. Let's make that clear. Okay, and I keep repeating that only because 
we have to understand that the reason why the world is in such disarray is because the spiritual people of the planet are not standing up and taking um, the reins and doing what they're supposed to be doing, and that's creating morality and righteousness and justice on this planet. Okay? Now, that's not by our fault, of course, because we still have to think about the 1885 treaty the Berlin Conference that decided to, to, to cut cut us off at the knees and then create this land grab and scramble for Africa, which is why we're here today. But understand that this is a spiritual battle. Okay, now let's fast forward, okay? The Egyptians find Sari hiding in the chest and they give her to the king as a concubine. But when he tries to lay with her, a curse falls on him. We read this in chapter 15, verse 29. Now, we're not going to find this in, um, in the King James, uh, the, the most recent version, but we will find it in the ancient Apocrypha books. Okay? Chapter 15, verse 29 to 39 to 34. <clears throat> and it reads and in the morning the king called for Abram and said to him what is this thou hast done to me why didst thou say she was my sister owing to which I took her unto me for a wife and this heavy plague has therefore come upon me in my household now therefore here is thy wife, take her and go from our land, lest we all die on her account. And Pharaoh took more cattle, men-servants, and maid-servants, and silver, and gold, to give to Abram. And he returned unto him, sorry, his wife. And the king took, um, uh, and the king took a maid whom he begot by his concubine, and gave her to Sorry, Okay. I'm pretty sure most of y'all know the story. Uh, took her to Sarai for a handmaiden. And the king said to his daughter, It is better for thee, my daughter, to be a handmaiden in this man's house than to be mistress in my house. After we have beheld the evil that befall us on account of this woman. And Abram rose, and he and all belonging he and all belonging to him went away from Egypt, and uh, Egypt and Pharaoh, uh, Egypt, excuse me, and Pharaoh ordered some of his men to accompany him in all that went with him. And Abram returned to the land of Canaan, Israel, to the place where he had made his altar, right, where he where he at first had pitched his so they had to leave there because of the famine, went into the land, pretty much got their weight up. While he was there, um, they found the king, they found Sarai hiding in a chest. The guards gave that to the king, and then when he tried to lay with her, plague just happened. Like, you just, you know, that's what the story is worth telling. 
Now, I wanted to read this to establish a strong relationship between ancient Kush and the ancient Hebrews. Okay? The king of Kemet gave his daughter to Sarai. Sarai, whom we now know as Hagar. Hagar, the mother of Ishmael. Ishmael's line is then traced from his son Kedar, right? Kedar. Then down through the, they call them the Adonite tribes, and to the prophet Muhammad. So this event pretty much created Islam. Right? That's how important this event was. As we discover based on historical and biblical record, we see how identical the people are to each other. Now keep in mind, all these people are descendants of Ham, the so-called cursed race, who eventually became descendants of systematic slavery. Okay? Next, I would like to explain how the ancient Hebrew religion became the template for the three major religions. But, before I speak on this influence, I first have to speak on the spiritual influence of ancient Kemet on the Hebrew religion. Let's say what came first. Like, <laughs> the, um, came first the, uh, the, 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 uh, the rooster or the egg, right? <clears throat> the chicken or the egg? Well, we know what came first. The influence of Judaism was first started in ancient Kenya. Alright? And um, I would like to uh, speak about that today. Because it's extremely important. Extremely important. Now, we cannot mention morality, justice, truth, harmony, and balance without speaking on the law of Ma'at. For those that are new, let me explain. In recent years, the African word Ubuntu, right, has come into Western consciousness. Many only know this word as an alternative to an operating system, to the demonic practices of Microsoft. However, the meaning of this word comes from African philosophy. And it says, through high moral standards, you as an individual and in a community can create a world of justice vibrating on the frequency of the divine. Now, Listen to that. Let me read that again. This is the African philosophy. It says, through high moral standards, you as an individual and individual and in a community can create a world of justice vibrating on the frequency of the divine. And it says, I am because of who we are. I am because of who we are. And in Zulu, it says, Ubuntu na Gumuntu na Gabantu. 
Ubuntu, Nagamutu, Agamamutu. And in the ancient Egyptian religion, the Tarianism, the Tarianism, it is called Maha. Okay? Maha is also the characteristics of the ancient Egyptian deity, Goddess Maha. The philosophy first came into conception over 5,000 years ago, during the pre-dynastic period. The writing of this philosophy were discovered in the pyramid text called The Egyptian Book of Coming Forth by Day, the 42 Precepts of Maya. Now, I'm going to read um, where... Uh, on wiki what they speak about this and uh, <coughs> also from the ancient.eu site so these sites are pretty good because they go back and I like how a lot of people contribute and let me tell you something how do you read wiki is I know wikipedia has like um, sometimes you go on the site and you say man I don't know if this, you can be, this can be 100% verified but how Wikipedia works is the mind of everybody that writes in it, right? The good, the deceitful, and everybody writes in it. However, what you can do is you can always go back in history and see what was changed. And then they have like these little numbers on it that you can reference the books in which they got it from. So a lot of it is peer-reviewed, and you can pretty much get the truth from weighing it out from different accounts. So it's a great tool if you know how to use it. Anyway, and this is what it reads. The earliest surviving records indicating that Ma'at is the norm for uh, nature and society in this world and the next were recorded during the Old Kingdom of Egypt. The earliest substantial survival example being found in the pyramid text of Una, CA 2357 BCE and 2345 BCE. Later, when most goddesses were paired with male aspects, her masculine counterpart, counterpart was Thoth. As their attributes are similar in other accounts, Thoth was paired with Sisak, uh, goddess of writing and measures who is lesser known deity. After her role in creation and continuous, continuously preventing the universe from returning to chaos, her primary role in ancient Egypt, Egyptian religion dealt with the weight of the heart that took place in the Dua. Her feather was a measure that determined whether the souls considered to reside, uh, uh, whether the soul considered to reside in the heart of the departed would reach the paradise of the afterlife successfully. Pharaohs are often depicted with the emblem of Ma'at to emphasize their role in upholding the law and righteousness. Okay? Alright, now that one was actually from um, uh, ancient.eu. And it reads, the variation, it says, Ma'at pronounced Ma'at is the ancient Egyptian goddess of truth, justice, harmony, and balance, a concept known as Ma'at in Egyptian, 
who first appeared during the period of kingdom as the old kingdom 2613 to 2818 BCE, but no doubt existed in some form earlier. Of course, it was 5,000 years, 2,500 years and more. Now, prior to that, all right, now I hope your mind is getting to see the patterns. Um, I want to read the different European versions of their explanation of Maya to bring to your attention to the dates we have between 2613 and 2188 BCE. Okay? Now, notice the similar time frame. Both religion philosophies were being practiced in parallel. Right? Because they keep mentioning the 2600 for the, um, the uh, influence of Ma and 2600 talking about the time of the, the Sumerian king's list in um, in uh, the, the the area of Nimrod, right? The Canaanites, the Canaanites. Okay, now you really need to pay attention here. Okay, the religion of Ur is based on the religion of Anunnaki worship, and that now that's separate. Okay. The religion of Ur is based on the religion of Anunnaki worship. The religion or uh, Terranism is ancient Egyptian spirituality. Different. Both were practiced at the same time. Now, if you recall, Terra had to migrate from Babylon to keep Abram from being murdered. When Abram was a child, he rejected the religion of the Anunnaki, but when he became an adult, he embraced the law of Ma'at. Evidence of this can be seen throughout Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Okay? Materialism, ancient Egyptian spirituality, is how the Egyptians worshipped before the understanding of I am that I am. Right? Now, that's why I said that what came first, chicken or the egg. Right? This was, this was worship even before the understanding of I am that I am. Now, this should not be a surprise according to the Table of Nations. Mithraim, Mithraim is the founder of Egypt. He's the son of Ham. We read that Noah taught his children morality, right? If he taught Shem, he taught Ham. Proof of this can be seen in the connections between Ma'at, right? Now, if Noah is the father of Shem, and Shem can be traced to Terah and Abraham, uh, and Abraham was not named Abraham until he spent time in Egypt, then what did Abram find in Egypt, in Mithraim? I hope I'm not confusing you. I hope I'm not confusing you. Okay? Because this is an evolution of a, of a, of a, of a soul. Like, you're not the same person you were five years ago. 
10 years ago, definitely. But you're always evolving. And if your heart, if you eat, if you have that DNA, if you have that spirit of Ayah in you, then spiritually you're going to grow. And when they take the name from Abram to Abraham, that means he grew spiritually. Part of that spiritual growth was the time that he spent in ancient Kemet. This time. Now, do you think Mom might have had an influence on Abraham? Think about it. On his journey to discover the God of the Hebrews, lesson one would have been the concept of morality. During 2613 BCE, about 500 years before the birth of Terah, the father of Abraham worshipped 12 idols. Right? Abraham's father worshipped 12 idols. One idol for each month. His father was a prince of Nimrod. Right? Scriptures tell us that Abraham's, Abraham's father was a prince of Nimrod. Which means they did not worship Maya. In the land of Earth, they worshipped a deity. They worshipped um, deities by the name of Apsu, Namu, Aras, uh, Ki, or Kai, Enli, Inki, and Unan, and many other gods of the Anunnaki. This also included the deity known as Uta Shamash, the brother of Anan, whom is the Sumerian sun god who represents divine justice. Now, I wanted to mention Uta Shamash because this was the god that influenced the uh, code of, they call, call it Hammurabi. Code of Hammurabi is, is a uh, this, these, these laws were written around 1754 BCE. They were written by the king of Babylon at the, at the time, named Hammurabi. Uh, and he's of the Amorite tribe. They trace Uta uh, Shamash back to around 3500 BCE. Right? So the first time that they, they discovered this particular deity, and this deity is the one that influenced the code of Hammurabi, which means that this is 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 has uh, has morality in it. All right. So we're saying like, well, maybe this is where the morality came from, right? Because they always try to say that um, these are the ones that influenced the Ten Commandments, but really the Ten Commandments were influenced by the forty-two precepts, right? That's obvious once when you read history. All right, now uh, we have to keep in mind at the same time in the old kingdom of Kemet, right? The concept of, of Mot was already being practiced thousands of years prior to this code, right? Or or this particular deity was even thought of. All right, before the code of Hammurabi, there was the, uh, it was called the Maximums of Ptah Hotep. The Maximums of Ptah Hotep, which is written by Ptah Hotep, 
the vizier of King Dijab uh, Dakar is peace. Uh, I know I messed that name up. But this particular king was from ancient Kemet, and he reigned from 2414 to 2375 BCE. The Maximums of Ptah is known as the oldest book in the world. And this book is based on the law of morality. Okay? So, the, the, the code of Hammurabi could have came from uh, the maximum of the top, or it could have came from the 42 precepts of Ma'at, because those were thousands of years prior. Okay? That's just in case, you know, people are confused about um, the influence of, of morality. We all know that the core of that was based on mine. Okay, now I'm going to take a quick break, and then um, I'll be right back. Uh, we okay. have to use visual documentation to bring this back for other brothers and sisters to see it, because they may not never make it back like you. But there were many invasions that came into Africa. When Normer, that we dealt with earlier, we talk about Normer when he reunited Upper and Lower Egypt, first defeating the Scorpion, bringing together the first world government. But it spoke of the Asiatic invasions, even back during his time, Egypt faced many invasions that came in by way of the Delta. These were the Asiatics that you see right here. Now, as I mentioned before, the Asiatics who came across the Sinai. So here we see the earliest recording of these people who came in and settled with us for a while, to they built in numbers, and then eventually attacking Egypt. This is again from Kanunhotep's tomb from the 12th dynastic period, right uh, during the time of Amenhotep III. Here again, Menethos talks about, now you can see the Hyksoks who came into Egypt, and Menethos said, unexpectedly from the region of the east came men of unknown race. Confident of the victory, they marched against our land. By force, they took it easy without a single battle. Having overpowered our rulers, they burned our cities without compassion and destroyed the temples. All the people were treated with great cruelty, for they slew some and carried off the wives of children of others into slavery. Doesn't that sound like a familiar account? This period is documented around uh, 1650 or 1750, right around the same time of Abraham. Now, take a good look at the pictures that I showed earlier, too. These were the hike silks that you see right here. These were the invaders, just as you see them carved in stone right here. These are the people who came out of the Sinai, some say from Mitanni, uh, some say they were Horians. These are the Tamarians who were indigenous to the Nile Valley, as well as the Tanahisian brothers who were further up in the southern part of uh, Egypt, or Kemet, ancient Ethiopia as some would call it. These were the Tamahu people who invaded from Libya from the west. They attacked Egypt after the sixth dynastic period. Now, it was, it was this brother that we showed again, Atmos I, who finally expelled them out of our land. Now, I'm showing this in reference with the temple, how our ancestors, you're witnessing, recording these people who came into our land, who invaded until Atmos I finally expelled them. We want to give you documented evidence to show you that we were at war with these people who invaded our land. We did not have anyone enslaved, but in fact, the Hyksoks enslaved us for 200 years. If we deal with the 21st dynasty, 22nd dynasty, 23rd dynasty, these were all Asiatic. Shishak, that Badawi will show us in a little while, he was also of Asiatic origin. So again, indigenous African Kemetic people were not even on the throne then. This is why this is so important to understand this in the Bible, because by looking at the Bible in America and the Western world, they look at this as all being part of Egypt. 
not saying that we were enslaved ourselves by these Asiatic people. And the same people who are ruling us today, who are exploiting us out of our minds, are the same people who invaded our land long ago, who came in even during the time of the 12th dynastic period, right after Amenahet. And we called them the troglodytes who came out of the desert. How can we dispute this documented evidence, documented information? But the only way we're going to get this story right, we're going to have to start writing our own holy text because if everybody else have had their story and revised the Bible, then why can't we, the original writers of the book, bring it back to its African origin? Now right here on these temples here, now you can see documented where we tied them up, roped them, and forced them out of our land. These are the people that we've always had problems with. The problem is we don't understand a historical war. It's a historical war with these people. And European Ashkenazi, European Jews know this. We're the people who don't know it. It's an ancient historical war from the time we've had contact with them. So we're coming back here and hearing the words of our ancestors and those who knew what happened in that day, and that's why they had to turn the story against African people. So you're coming back for an eyewitness account, not for spiritual enslavement, but for spiritual freedom, for the emancipation of our souls, for the resurrection of African people. For many years, brothers and sisters returned back with us on the Kemet New Know Thyself Educational Tour to see an eyewitness account what our ancestors wrote for us on the temples and tombs which are books in stone that now end up in many of the biblical stories today. Let's continue with the live lecture. These are the people who enslaved our people. These people set up in an area of Kemet in Lower Kemet called Avaris, took over, and were enslaving the Africans for over 200 years until Second Enray Tao of the 17th dynasty, and it is he who raised war on the battlefield, and his life was lost on the battlefield, and it was his son, Kotmos, who continued the battle until his son, uh, Atmos, who opened up the 18th dynasty. This is a real person, brothers and sisters, who said never again. He was the liberator, the emancipator, who kicked these Hyksos out of our land. This is the real historical account that we've got to start teaching our people, brothers and sisters. So they took from this African right here name Atmos and made a Moses. This is the only account that we expelled a large group of people out of our land, this African right here, who opened up the 18th dynasty known as the Golden Age. This is the historical account, brothers and sisters. In fact, let's go into another warrior soldier, as we see in his uh, name, Men Kepara, Tehuti Maze. He had 17 battles and won them all. He also wanted to make sure that these Hyksos were not going to come into our land. Here you see Men Kepara's battle, showing where he's battling the Hyksos. Look at some of them hiding behind trees as cowards right here. This is the story that our ancestors left us in stone as though they knew that one day we would forget our story. Here's the battle of Men Kepara who battled and wanted to make sure these Hyksos were not going to come into our land. In fact, this brother, he made sure that he even educated these people he was conquering into the Kemetic hey, uh, history. Okay, initiated now, into a we're going to continue with Abram, Abraham, and uh, uh, we read Abraham goes into Egypt during the time the goddess Maat is being worshipped, the goddess of truth, justice, law, morality, order, harmony, and cosmic balance. During this time, Kemet 
is and has become the beacon of the world. We also know based on historical record that the land was blessed because the seed of Abram had to travel into Egypt to survive a famine. We can also see that the Pharaoh of Egypt vibrated on the frequency of righteousness because the king refused to touch Abraham's wife, Sarah. He refused after he finds out that she was not his sister, but Abraham's wife. Okay, now observe the shift because something interesting happens. Okay? For thousands of years, the law of Mod flourishes in ancient Kemet. Okay? Now I want to set this up correctly. Because now we're going to start moving into um, a change, something that's that that has changed this this morality in ancient Kemet. What is it? Okay. So I want y'all to now observe this shift. What 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 happens? Something inter interesting starts happening, right? Because for thousands of years, the law of Ma are flourishing in ancient Kemet. Then history tells us that foreigners come from the north, known as the Hyksus, or the Shepherd Kings. They begin to migrate into the land of ancient Kemet around 1782 BCE. Now, keep an eye on these dates, and um, <clears throat> when this uh, transcript is available on the internet, I'm going to have links to it. And it, it, you actually, once you read it, you, it things will will um, come more clear in your mind because you can actually see it on paper. It's easier than someone speaking, obviously. Um, but everything that I say here is going to be uh, on the web. Now, uh, we are told they come into Egypt during the 13th dynasty. Now, what's interesting is when you look at the Egyptian king list, you notice you will notice. Uh, chaos during at the end of these dynasties. You will see um, in, in one of the king lists over 40 different names. Or, or there's, there's like 40 different names of kings in, in, in just 40 years. It's like all these different names. It's like something's starting to happen in ancient Kevin. Um, now, you, if you, what you observe, you notice that you do not see this until the year 1780 BCE. Okay. Then in the 11th and 12th dynasty, if you look at, if you like compare it, if you compare the 11th and 12th dynasties, you would see that none of this has, has occurred. They still had an order, right? But then when we come to the 13th dynasties, that's when it seems that the Egyptians lose control. Okay? Now, I really wanted to emphasize that because this is when everything starts to change. Like, you say, okay, well, what happened? You know, we were great kings. You know, we had, like, all this power and influence, and there was morality, and, and I mean, the pyramids and gold and, and just beauty and artwork. All this was interrupted. And this happened around 1780 
BCE with the arrival of the Ixus. Okay, now here's what is written in Wikipedia. And it reads, In the north, lower Egypt, was overrun by the Ixus. A Semitic people from across the Sinai and these independent line of kings create dynasties. Uh, I'm sorry, let me read, let me read it over. In Lower Egypt, I'm sorry, in North Lower Egypt was overrun by the Hyksos, the Hyksos. A Semitic people from across the Sinai, an independent line of kings created the dynasty, the, uh, I think it was the 14th, that arose in the western Delta during late dynasty the 13th according to Manitho into this unstable mix came invaders from the east called the Hyksos who seized Egypt and it writes here without striking a blow and having overpowered the rulers of the land they then burned our cities ruthlessly raised to the ground the temples of God, their regime called dynasty um, 15 was claimed to have replaced dynasty 13 and 14 in most of the country. Okay, so they're saying in the 15th dynasty they raised the temple of the gods, they burnt all the temples, so if you um, understand um, the ancient Egyptian spirituality, they had temples all up along the Nile. And each temple um, that was there, um, you, you, were, you had a, a different um, understanding of the deity. And there was different um, religions, uh, spiritual practices, I mean. And those spiritual practices were, were there in order for you to cultivate yourself, you know, to learn how to meditate, to learn uh, about morality, to understanding the different, um, um, let me say, spiritual roofs, let's just say. And this was a system, and that system was interrupted when the instance came in, okay? Now, that's the second witness that said this, and there was people that were there at the time they wrote about it, and then these ancient historians were were to able to piece those piece that information together. <coughs> okay. Then we see in the sixteenth dynasty around sixteen fifty BCE, we find the king, a king named Ophesus. Okay, Ophesus. Okay. Ophesus. Now let me explain. The reason why I said that because I want y'all to understand this. This particular king, deity, okay, is extremely important to what happened. Okay? Opiphus. Let me explain to uh, what this means. Okay? Now, it reads about Opiphus. It says, also known as Opiph, is the great um, serpent the enemy of the sun god Ra. It was the ancient Egyptian deity who embodied chaos in Egypt 
and was thus the opponent of the light and Ma'at, order. He appeared in art as a giant serpent. Opitus, a demon serpent of darkness who Ra as sun god destroys every morning at dawn. Okay? This was one of the, the names of the king, well, of the Ixos king. That was his name, which shows you what was going on at that time. Now, <clears throat> like I said, Ophesus was the name of the Hyksos, the Hyksos king, and he was called the Great Serpent. He ruled Egypt for 40 years before he was supplanted by Ah Moses I of the 18th dynasty. Okay? Now, to put this into perspective, the Hyksos usurped Kemet for 200 years, and they changed society forever. We are told that the Great Serpent was the enemy of the sun god Ra and the opponent of Ma'at. But some Egyptian scholars claim that the Hyksos came into the land peacefully, which means they were able to manipulate the levels of power. Now, if this is true, right, if they were able to come in, in, in peacefully and manipulate, manipulate, uh, manipulate the levels of power, um, then why is this serpent the deity that embodied chaos, right? This is the opposite of Ma, the goddess of truth, justice, harmony, and balance, right? Now, keep in mind, I'm going to read about, uh, keep this in mind as I read uh, Genesis 3.14, okay? And, um, I keep reading this to make a point. Alright. In Genesis 3.14, it says, And Yahuwah said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast on the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Okay, Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. Okay? For those of you who are new to this teaching, I suggest you Google the seed of the serpent and the Amalekite deception. I did a broadcast on this topic back in February uh, 17, 2011. It's an old broadcast I did. Um, you'll have a, a, a better understanding of this uh, Genesis 3.15 and the, uh, the, the teachings of the serpent seed. Okay, now, let me make this as simple as possible. <coughs> Ham is the father of Mithraim, the founder of ancient Kemet. Okay? They are the seed of Adam. Opetus, the great serpent, 
is of the seed of Cain. This is why his name means Great Serpent of Chaos. When the Hyksos came into Egypt, they brought in the seed of Cain, which is chaos, right? We know this because the main objective was to destroy order in the occult. They called it order out of chaos. This is the method of operation. The characteristics we see being used to this day are what was used by the Hyksos back in 1780 uh, 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 to 16. Um, uh, 50 BCE okay the same method they used this is how they came in peacefully right it was through deceptions they created chaos right we can trace this all the way back to the brotherhood of the serpent founded by Prince E.A.A. of Mesopotamia also known as Inki all right, we're going back to the Anunnaki, right? The God of water and the prince of the earth. In the story of the Anunnaki, according to the Sumerian myth, Inki in the world order made man to be slaves for the gods. And according to this myth, the brotherhood of the, brotherhood of the serpent was originally created to liberate the human race from bondage which is why the snake is also seen as a positive symbol in Egyptian spirituality. All right, now I wanted to, 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 to really to, I wanted to explain this, to bring that in, that according to history, okay, according to the myth, um, Inki first created the Brotherhood of the Snake, uh, the Brotherhood of the Serpent, um, was to free man from spiritual bondage. Right? But it was overtaken. Right? They say it was taken over and then became a tool of spiritual repression. Right? Uh, therefore, when the Hyksos came into Egypt, they already had a hidden agenda. But some thought that the brotherhood was still vibrating on higher principles. Okay. Now, what I mean is that, let's say, um, in the area of Sumer, this Brotherhood of the Serpent was known. Um, in ancient Kenneth, you know, because they're pre, you know, they're close proximity of each other, they probably knew that the Hyksus that came into uh, Lower Egypt were involved in this sect, the serpent sect. The Egyptians also had a spiritual belief of the serpent, but it wasn't a demonic version. It was more of a a, a, a lesson in morality. Okay, I don't want to go through that here because I don't have the time, but it wasn't in the negative vibration that the brotherhood of the serpent became. So they were probably able to take over because it was kind of like a, a, a hidden agenda that they had. OK? 
Okay? Now, I hope I'm explaining this well enough. Alright? Now, if your eyes are open, you can see uh, the Brotherhood of the Snake use the same method of operation um, in Libya, Yemen, Sudan, Ethiopia, Iraq, Syria, and Egypt. Okay? This method. We can see the seed in Venezuela creating chaos with the help from the United States in America. On and on the characteristics of the beast are, are playing out in every society on earth. You have to make sure this is well understood. Okay? The story of the Hebrews is only one piece of our story. This is why we have to learn the stories of ancient Kemet as well as um, the, the, the um, information that is given to us even in Samaria. But we really should understand the story in ancient Kemet because they were the first victims. Okay? The first victims of this serpent if we think of it as a society as like who brought down this this, this this beacon of morality, the first victims were was ancient Kemet. The children of Adam are the enemy of the serpent. And the serpent uses divide and conquer because it's the oldest and most effective trick in the book. Now, for the sake of time, um, I'm going to focus on the Sidiaco, okay? Because we are speaking about the rise of the dry bones, okay? And um, I want to trace the story of Abraham to his son Isaac and his sons, both his sons Esau and Yaakov. And then we're going to trace it to the 12 tribes of Yaakov, and then we go to Moshe, Moses. Because Moses ended up, of course, in Egypt during the time of the Exodus. Okay? It's interesting how, um, as the stories come together, we find out that Moses was in ancient Kenneth during the time of the Exodus invasion. Okay? Now, <clears throat> during 1540s, let's say 1540 BCE, the ruling Hyksos uh, kings were. Ka Moses in Upper Egypt and Kamudi in Lower Egypt. These are the last kings of the Hyksos era. After they were uprooted, we see Ah Moses I, the rightful ruler of Kemet, the Nubians take back power. Now, the line of kings are as follows. After Ah Moses I, we have Amenhotep I, who was the father of Tutmoses I who was the father of Tutmoses II, the father of Hatshepsut, who was the mother of Tutmoses III. Then Tutmoses III, the father of Amenhotep II, the father of Tutmoses IV, the father of Amenhotep III, who was the father of Akhenaten, and who was the son of the great royal wife, Queen Tai. 
the matriarch of the Amman, Ar, the Amnon dynasty. Okay? Now, we start to see how um, after the Hyksus were taken out, then we start to go back into the kings. And you start seeing Ah Moses, Amenhotep, Tuk Moses, Tuk Moses, uh, Hatshepsut, Tuk Moses. Then we go to Akhenaten, then we have Queen Tai. Okay? Now, one last point I want to make concerning Ma'at. Um, here's a quick explanation that comes from a website called Ancient Egyptian Online. And it reads, it says, uh, <clears throat> the, ancient Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians also had a well-developed legal system to ensure that Ma'at was preserved in daily life. It is thought that the priests of Ma'at were involved in the justice system as well as tending to the needs of the goddesses and pharaohs were regularly depicted presenting Ma'at holding out a tiny statue of the goddesses. Goddess. To, reiterate, to re reiterate their commitment to upholding order and justice, all rulers respected Ma'at. But Akhenaten in particular emphasized his adherence, his adherence, which means devotion, profound dedication to Ma'at, despite or perhaps because of his rather unconventional approach to the gods. Hatshepsut also emphasized her reverence for Ma by taking the throne name Ma'at Kar. Justice is the soul of Ray. Again, possible because as a female ruler, she needed to show that her position was in line. Ma'at. She also built a small temple to Ma within the precinct of Mount uh, Karnak. Okay. Now, I read this to show you what happens after the Nubians chased the Hyksus out of Egypt. What did they do? They went back to the foundation. History tells us how Akhenaten took away the idols and reestablished the ancient worship prior to the usurpation of the Hyksus. This is why some historians claim Moshe and Akhenaten are one and the same because their methods are, are very similar. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise since the influence of the two branches are seen throughout our history. The same spirituality that influenced Abraham influenced Akhenaten. The problem is we have two different stories meshed together and this creates a, con creates a conflation, right? It's like what, we, what I said before, we have like a, a, a parallel stories and now we look at these stories and they're meshed together, meshed together, and now we have a conflation, right? Conflation and automation. Here we go. Now, most likely, uh, this was done to create confusion and infighting about um, timelines, uh, the people, uh, color of the people, and events, and, and so on. Right, because this is what they usually do. Is how they create that conflict, you know? Why would else would you burn the libraries in Alexandria and bury the books, you know, so the people don't know who they are? This is the Brotherhood of the Snake creating spiritual oppression. 
Alright? This is the method of the beast. Now, the reality is that all of the spiritual spirituality, okay, is tainted by the serpent of chaos. Okay? This is pretty much the reality. Alright? It's been tainted. However, all praise I Yah, we still have information that can still bring our people together. Okay? It's not all lost. If you have the desire and the will and understanding, that DNA will guide you to unto understanding. Alright, now, to close, I want to bring this to the present. <coughs> When we talk about the 400 year prophecy in Genesis 15, Genesis chapter 15, all of the events that transpired did not add up to 400 years. Okay, when we talk about, remember I was telling you that, are we going to be, is this, is 1619 to 2019 talking about this generation or is it talking about something that happened in the past already, right? So, um, Genesis 15, all the events that transpired, they did not add up to 400 years. After the expulsion of the Hyksos, we read that the children of Yaakov are now outside of Egypt in the land of Canaan. Okay? We read that Yeshua and Moshe have to clear the land of the remaining Hiksus, the serpent seed. You know, and if you're all familiar with the story, it's talking about the giants. There was giants. They started to clear out these giants, right? This is who it was. They're, if they're kicked out of uh, ancient Canaan. Now where are they? They're in the wilderness, right? And then the story talks about how Moses and um, Moses and uh, Joshua, Yahshua, have to now clear the land. The book tells us that they spend 40 years in the wilderness after they escape the Hyksos from Egypt. Right? Now, Akhenaten is in Egypt cleaning up the mess around 160 years later. Okay? Because now we have to say, okay, if for this, for this to be Akhenaten, then the times have to have to add up. From Akhenaten to be Moses, then the times have to add up. But when you read history, we see that Akhenaten is in, in, is in ancient Kemet, cleaning up the mess of the Hyksos around 160 years later, which means um, 100 years before, prior, Yahshua and Moshe are in the wilderness. Okay? Now, I say this to make a clear distinction. At this point in history, based on information, we are given, uh, the Hebrews are, are now in the area of what is known now as Palestine, right? So, how does this all match up? Well, you have to think about it. If Moshe and the Hebrews are in Egypt during the time of the serpent king, Ophis, right, Ophethus, then they would be in the area of Lower Egypt, right? The king at this time was named Kumadi, and before Kumadi was the pharaoh Api, which is another name for Apis, the serpent king. 
right? This was from 1575 to 1540 BCE. Now, keep in mind, Lower Egypt is near the area of Cairo, which is 770 kilometers or 480 miles from Jerusalem. 480 miles from Jerusalem. Okay? At the time, we have another king by the name of Ka Moses in Upper Egypt to the southern border along the kingdom of Cush. Okay? Later we read in the book of Exodus how the plagues of Egypt weakened the Pharaoh. Right? The plagues of Egypt weakened the Pharaoh. We also read that Moshe and the Hebrews were able to remove the grasp of the serpent from around their necks. Okay? Now, if this is the if this is the case, then this would weaken the stronghold of Hyksos, of the Hyksos, right? Which would then allow Amnoses I and the Nubians to take back Upper and Lower Egypt, resulting in them chasing remaining snakes out of their land at this time. Okay, now, to me this seems like the most likely scenario of this event happened in the way that history tells us it happened. We had to have the um, Hebrews at the time living amongst the, the Hyksos, weakening the Hyksos. And after they weaken the Hyksos, they pretty much get assistance from Nubia. And, but at this time, everybody gets expelled out of the land. So now we have them leaving Egypt at this time. And that's when Ah Moses and the Nubians they take back control of upper and lower Egypt. Okay? Now, what does all this mean? First, it's obvious from the ancient images, monuments, and the use of our common sense that the people at this time are the same people that would have, uh, that has, um, this, have been labeled as Africans. They have deceptively been labeled as Africans. Right. They just put put us all in one bunch, right? They wrongfully place us all in one box. However, the black people along the Great River of Egypt come from many diverse tribes. Now I'm going to read Genesis 15, and then I'm going to translate the tribes from what they are now. Okay. Now listen very carefully. In Genesis 15:18 it says. These are the following nations along the Nile River today. Right? We have Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Kenya, Ethiopia, Eritrea, and Sudan and uh, South Sudan, the Republic of Sudan, and of course Egypt. None of these nations are European, and Europeans do not come from any of these nations. This is fact. We also know that after the fall of the Byzantine Empire, the Ottoman Empire usurped the land with the help of the modern-day European nations, which is why we find out, uh, which is why we find our ancient tribes intertwined into their bloodline. Right? That's why they're so concerned about the bloodline. Because they know that through rape and um, 
They know that through rape and slavery, our blood is now intertwined with this beast. Okay? This is called rape and slavery. And as a result, the Arabs and Europeans control the whole land. Which is why our story is so confusing. The Brotherhood of the Snake is a tool of spiritual repression. They know who you are. The question is, do you? Do you know who you are? Okay? The greatest people along the Nile are now called Africans. Right? Like those great nations that were along the Nile that were spoken of in Genesis 15, 18. They are now called Africans. And these Africans are now distributed all over the planet from the Caribbean to South America in European nations, Arab nations, in modern day Egypt, which is the United States of America. And they're trapped in spiritual bondage for 400 years. Okay? 400 years trapped in that spiritual bondage. Now, <clears throat> here we are, March 9th, 2020. And um, I'm not naive to think that this beast is just going to go over, going to come and uh, hand over reparations for uh, the crimes that were committed. Because in 2019, you know, we were yelling. Yelling about reparations. They're not just going to hand reparations and free us from the system of the beast. 2019 reparations became mainstream right during the 40-year anniversary mark. And this was not a coincidence. We can see from what is happening in Venezuela that America will never willingly give reparations. As I speak, the people of Venezuela can't even choose their own president in peace. And just like the story of Mouche, America is going to have to go through multiple plagues before Babylon lets my people go. The repeating of history. Okay? Now, our world is in chaos because the usurpers are still in control. The so-called Africans were stolen from the same area Ayah mentioned in the covenant with Abraham, which is from the river of Euphrates, uh, with the, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. The place the Caucasians, the Edomites, and Europeans, converts want to control. This is not only about money, it's about power. And you're watching Genesis 3.15 being played out right before your eyes. Now, if these scriptures are accurate, then so is our victory. Okay? Now, to close, I will recite just a few prophet, prophetic verses that will seal the fate of the brotherhood of the snake. Okay, and it's important to understand that, like I mentioned, to reiterate, if the uh, uh, the negative parts 
of what is written, written in prophecies is true than the positive parts that are written. The freedom, the victory is also written. And that is what we are going to focus on in the closing. Now I'll start with Exodus 17. And Joshua con confitted, confronted uh, Alamach and his people with the edge of the sword. And Yah said unto Moshe, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Yeshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moshe built an altar and called the name of it Yahovah Nasi. For he said, Because Yah hath sworn that Yahuwah will make war with Amalek from generation to generation. In the year 2020, our generation is still at war with Amalek. And it is, is, and it is written, Yahuwah will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Right? If Yah, if Yah is with us, then who is against us? We have the victory. It's written. Now, here's the fall of Babylon. And this is Revelation 18.1. Read that again. And it says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mighty with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth were waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Alright? Yahuwah is waiting for us to separate ourselves from this beast, become independent, become your entrepreneur, start building your businesses, start growing your own food, start um, stop doing business with this beast because it's going to fall. We have to come out from amongst her. We have to stop destroying the planet by doing business with her. Okay? Now, if this is a prophetic, I don't know what it is. Okay? Come on, y'all. It's so obvious who this message was written to, why this message was written. Especially for the time in which we live in right now. You know, they're talking about global warming and overpopulation and starvation and famines and everything that's wrong is because of the brotherhood of the snake. Okay? Now, for those that cannot see, should know this verse, Revelation 18, is speaking about the coming financial collapse 2.0. Now, it was supposed to happen back in 2009. That's another 11. 9, 10, 11. <laughs> 2009. But the system only received a wound. Okay? In 2020, now, you know, 
Now we're in March. This this year is flying. Okay? In 2020, we were off to a terrible start economically. The global supply chain is breaking down because of the coronavirus. Now, if this happens, this could uh, end the old Bretton Woods domination, right? The IMF domination. In 2019, like in, in positive news, in 2019, Africa took the steps to decouple itself from. Um, the French control of its economy. Now that uh, China has to deal with the coronavirus, maybe Africa can rethink uh, giving up its power to China. We hope. Okay? Because if that happens, then Africa can start to be even more independent. Now, I think we will soon see the end of the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank parasitic uh, this parasitic uh, behavior because it's, it's, it's more and more being exposed. They will no longer have the power to manipulate the poor, bankrupt, and impoverished nations because the world is waking up. Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devil and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Yes, we all will be free. All praise, Yah. However, we have to do the work. Okay? We have to clean up the mess. You were made for this. Now, I'm going to close with another book um, that some probably never really uh, read. Um, this is called The Vision of Obadiah. Now, I ask that you, if you have read this, uh, you listen to this with new ears, okay? Um, because this is perfect for what's going to happen coming up in the future. Um, most likely happening as I speak. Okay, as I speak. Okay, now, <coughs> please listen to this with new ears. We're going to close with the vision of Obadiah. And it reads, Thus saith Ayah concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from Ayah, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou hast dwelt in the cliffs of the rock, whose habitation is high, that thou that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Thou that exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest amongst the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith Ayah. If these came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Who they not have, um, would they have Stolen till they had enough? If the grapes gather, come to thee, will they not leave some grapes? How are these things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought up? All the men of the Confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. 
They that eat thy bread have laid a wound under thee. There is none understanding in him. Shall I, shall I not in the day, saith Yah, even destroy the wise men out of Edom, and understanding out of the mount of Esau? And thy mighty men, O Timah, shall be dismayed. To the end of that every one of the men, the mount of Esau, may be cut off by slaughter. For thy violence against your brother Yaakov, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. Alright, now that hasn't happened yet. Now to explain this in more comprehensive means, okay, because I know this is, you know, as you're reading it, if you don't understand like Edom and Esau and Timon, Confederacy and uh, all of the um, the references within this prophecy, then you'll you're going to be a little bit confused if you don't understand it. Okay. Now to explain this in more comprehensive means, this is telling us how Esau or Amalek will be destroyed. Esau is small in number, yet in every country, right? He, every uh, he controls the position of power, right? In every country. When it talks about the cliffs of the rocks, whose habitation is high, and that saith in his heart, "Who shall bring me down to the ground?" Right? They control. They, they control everything. They control the international monetary fund, the World Bank, the smart, the, uh, uh, the stock market, global governance, right? They even they even try to create they're even trying to create something called surveillance capitalism, and with surveillance capitalism is when um, you have the central intelligence agencies pretty much taking control of um, <laughs> the surveillance economy, and the surveillance economy gathers up information on everything that you do, that you read, who, who's your friend, your network. And now it has become another economy. It's just a surveillance economy. Now, if the world moves into that, it's total destruction of, of everything that we hold dear. Okay? Everything is becoming monetized. Alright? Now, all this is happening, but yet they're small in number. This is the demonic 1%. Right? We all understand like how we have uh, the seed of Esau um, being represented improportionately in all governments, in all financial institutions. Everyone talks about it. And then they call it anti-Semitism when they're not Semitic, they're actually European. Okay? Now, it says, For the violence against thy brother Yaakov, shame shall cover thee and thou shalt be cut off forever. Because they are pretending to be us, the world will know they are lying. This is why it's going to be shameful for them. It says, For thy violence against thy brother Yaakov, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. Okay? 
That right there tells you, like, you know, you're not the dry bone. These, these people right here are the ones that made a covenant with Ayah, not you. And when the world sees this, they will forever be cut off, and it would be, and they would be ashamed for eternity, because you can't fool, you can't, you can't use that trick anymore. Okay. This is, this is speaking truth here. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces. And foreigners entered into the gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem. Even thou wast as one of them. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Ye, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Alright? Now, this is telling us what happened during the time of, of Maccabees. Because if you recall the book of Maccabees, this is during the time of the uh, of of when they um, uh, took over, and uh, now they're in that position of power, right? This is also talking about the time in Babylon when um, you had the uh, the Babylonian captivity. This happened <coughs> when. It was the the, um, the breakup of the twelve tribes, and then the tribe of Judah was then captive. That's why it talks about Judah taking the substance. All right, and we can also refer this to the transatlantic slave trade because the um, Arabs, the House of Saud, this is this is uh, the Amalekites, pretty much. Right. If you look in history, you'll find out that the Malachites, the House of Saud, um, Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, this is all them. And is it a coincidence that these exact same people are the ones that started the slave trade when they took over Islam and used Islam as a tool to enhance the slave trade? Okay? This is all history. Okay? In the day that the stranger carried away captive his forces and foreigners entered into his gate and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. If you want even more insight, you should read uh, The Secret Relationship Between Blacks and Jews. In this book, you'll actually get even more detail about Amalek and Esau, Edomites. Alright, this is the secret relationship between blacks and Jews. This was written by the Nation of Islam years ago. This is why they um, call Louis Farrakhan anti-Semitic because he was unveiling some knowledge that they didn't want to unveil. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither should thou have delivered up those of his 
that did remain the day of distress. For the day of Yahuwah is near upon all the heathen as thou hast done. It shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thy own head. For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Ye thy shall drink, that thy shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. This is telling us that uh, when it says they shall be like no, they have not been. This goes back to the um, the prophecy about the name of Amalek will be wiped out from the earth forever. So uh, the prophecy of Obadiah is referencing the destruction of Amalek, meaning that it's not going to be anymore. Meaning that this hasn't happened yet. Right? In order for that to happen, something major has to occur, meaning in Revelations, the end of Babylon. And the reason why Babylon is ending is because Revelations talks about those that pretend to be Jews but are not, but do lie, but are of the synagogue of Satan. The synagogue of Satan, which is the brotherhood of the snake. The brother of the snake, which goes back to the Hyksus, <laughs> which destroyed the morality of Ma, which is why we have these issues coming today. You see, it's like a full circle. If you know the story, you can understand what's going on. But upon Mount Zion shall be delivered, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possession. And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. And the house of Esau for a stubble. And they shall kindle in them and devour them. And there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau. Ayah hath spoken. Now like I said, this is in line with Revelations 2.9. I know thy works and tribulations and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Synagogue of Satan is the same as the brotherhood of the serpent. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. The house of Esau will become a stumble, and they shall kindle in them and devour them. And there shall not be any remaining of the, of the house of Esau. Okay? Now keep in mind, the house of Saul in Turkey are really the Ottoman Empire, which is Esau. The new world, we are entering the world of righteousness. Okay? The new world we're entering is going to be a world of righteousness. This is going to take possession of their resources because they are greatly despised among the heathen. Okay? Nobody likes them. Nobody likes them. You know, it's not just um, when we talk about, when they talk about white supremacy, white supremacy is coming from white people. They're talking about white supremacy. This was our talking point back in the 60s and 70s and 80s and now in the, the, the uh, uh, 2000s we're hearing it coming from the millennials the millennials are the ones that are talking about 
um, white privilege and white supremacy. You see them speaking about it more. That means that it's time for the system to fall, which means the heathens are going to take their take the power. Their own people are going to take the power from them. Now keep in mind, it's still just that one percent, though. Okay. And they of the south shall possess the Mount Esau, and they of the plain of Philistine, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim, and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead, and the captains of this host of the children of Yaakov shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath and the captives of Jerusalem, which is the shepherds shall possess the city of the south, and saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be Ayah. Okay. Now, that means that that land over there that they're trying to hold with white knuckles is going to be passed back to its rightful owners. Okay. Brothers and sisters, it is written that we will win. What will be, must be. Okay, now this concludes my, the Yah of Justice. Thank you for listening. May Yah be with you. All praise are Yah. All and praise are Yah. All uh, praise are Yah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, love. I'm from the city where the bums rich. Skyscrapers block the rays when the sun hits. One time coming, niggas run quick. By the time a baby walk, he got a gun grip. I was made for this, yeah. I was made for this. I was made for this, yeah. I was made for this. I'm not a product of the cages that they raise us in. No, Bred to be a king, I'm not a slave to this. I was made for this, yeah. I was made for this. I was made for this, yeah. I was made for this. I'm not a product of the cages that they raise us in. No, Bred to be a king, I'm not a slave to this. They don't know fact from fiction They don't know the blacks is missing They don't know they trapped in prison They don't know the path to prison Was a mass decision They don't know the wrath is quicken They don't know the ass they kissing On the path for mission To put their ass in prison They don't know black religion Fact and fiction They don't know mama didn't leave them niggas Half the kitchen with half a chicken Fact or fiction We still hot we still noble, red and blue pill global, no matter the language, we still moguls, we lost still scotch and we lost still noble, exercise the right to live like it is, the revolution will not be televised, it's being digitized, on the come up, it's like watching the midget rise, sleeper giants grow another 20 feet tall with each alliance, I can teach the science, I tear an instrumental down, before I lay my pencil down, I'm going down to Tinseltown to burn a temple down and cap it off like this to crown. And my rights are reserved. Fear of a black Illuminati. I might just feel with the Bilderberg to come and kill you nerds. I'm shining like a Grammy host on the shores of Miami coast. My Moringa plug looking like Sammy Sos. The old one when he was well done like Granny's roast. The ancestors sponsored this. I don't know them niggas. All they do is talk that conscious shit. We living it. We in the 
streets like how the consciousness KTL in the ATL, MIA, NYC Multi-dimension like MIB We are not the same, I am a sovereign We are not the same, I am a problem I was made for this, I was made for this I was made for this, I was made for this I'm not a product of the cages that they raise us in Bred to be a king, I'm not a slave to this I was made for this, I was made for this I was made for this, I was made for this I'm not a product of the cages that they raise us in Bred to be a king, I'm not a slave to this